you are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all the Major League Baseball, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. This episode is being dropped on the ninth day of January 2020. We are talking about one person who has built a already legendary baseball life and a prospect who I've never seen play, but I desperately want to have a shot in the major leagues. This show is available in the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available on all the platforms where you get podcasts. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram, there's lots of fun things where you get to check out which player is most locked on. Make sure to put your voice in. If you know what I'm talking about, go to Locked On MLB on Twitter and Instagram and vote. Vote early and vote often. Also, when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. If you want to follow me, your pal Sully, I'm on Twitter at Sully Baseball and I'm on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. I'm going to say a name. I'm going to say a name right now. The name is Oscar Luis Colas? Colas? Coyas? I don't know how to pronounce the last name. C-O-L-A-S. Here's the deal. There are some very interesting and complicated names in baseball that when they become a common name, when they become a well-known player, then everybody knows how to pronounce their name. Now... This is a player I've never seen him play. He is of Cuban descent, and I think, and he has played in um, Japan, if I'm not mistaken. And he is a player who is now leaving. Yes, he played in uh, Japan. He is now defected from Cuba. And he has to establish a residency in another country. Usually it happens it's the Dominican Republic, sometimes it's Mexico. I'd love to have it be really weird, like to serve. Yes, he's established residency in the Central African Republic. What? Just now? Just, just trust me. Now, Luis Colas, 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 I don't want to pronounce it. Someone tell me, you know, this one is instances that you see the name and you haven't said it out loud. Now, he is 21 years old, and he is a outfielder, and he can play first base, and he has some power, but he's also a left-handed pitcher. And folks, he wants to do them both, like Shohei Otani. He wants to do them both, and let me tell you something, my friends. I want to see a team sign him. Now, there's no doubt that a team will sign this fella. And I want whatever team to sign him to let him do both. I want this to become the new thing that happens in baseball. That if someone can do both, I want them to pull off both. I think... If he is signed... Okay, I don't know if he's going to make it. There's some players who have... Made it big time, at, you know, coming from Cuba, and there's some who haven't. There's sometimes you get a Jose Obreu, sometimes you get a Yasiel Puig, and sometimes you get a Rusny Castillo. You know, like anywhere, baseball is difficult to judge who's going to become a great success or not. 
But this guy wants to be a power-hitting outfielder and a pitcher. And I say, damn it, let him. Come on, let him. Especially if you're a small market team. You know, especially if you're a small market team, you got to figure out how are we going to get to figure out in our payroll where we're going to sneak in uh, a power-hitting outfielder, but we also need a left-hand pitcher in there. Boom, I got an idea. I got an idea. Why choose? You get one dude. I mean, if we're going to talk economics, fine. But also for the enjoyment of it, for the fun of it, for having a player out there who's trying that. It's the thing that adds to the legend of Babe Ruth. Now, Babe Ruth, of course, is one of the most beloved sports figures in the history of the United States, not just baseball. But the thing that makes his career so strange other than the fact that he popped up as a home run hitter or just erased all the records. But there was also the sense of, wait a minute, he was a, one of the best pitchers in baseball before he became the best slugger in baseball. And one of the phenomenal what-ifs in baseball history, in my opinion, is what would have happened if Babe Ruth continued pitching and pitched every five days and the other four days he played in the outfield? Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think Babe Ruth's career turned out okay. And maybe him giving up pitching added to his legend. But I want to see more people try this out. Now, we have had instances where someone like Rick Ankiel made it to the major leagues as a pitcher. And then fault, then, you know, injuries and inconsistency derailed his career. So he became a hitter and came back up as an outfielder. Ron Mayhay did the same thing. But there is a, an agonizing what-if in John Olrood. John Olrood, who had an unbelievably successful career, went right to the major leagues from Washington State University. Go Cougs, fellow Washington State alum, John Olrood, was as coveted a hitting prospect as he was a pitching prospect. And there was talk in the late 1980s of, could he be a pitcher and a hitter at the same time? Instead, the Blue Jays said, nope, you're going to be a hitter. And look, it, there is no questioning his career. He wound up winning a couple of World Series titles with the Toronto Blue Jays. Had a very, played until they played all through the 90s and halfway through the 2000s. Made millions of dollars and became an all-star, a batting champion. Uh, finished second in the MVP vote one year and is a beloved Toronto Blue Jay and had wonderful years with the New York Mets, Seattle Mariners as well. But that being said, what would have happened if he pitched? Could he have made it? So that leaves us with this fella. I don't know. He may not make it as either. But I want to see more of that. It's fun. Remember fun? And I want to see Otani do it with the Angels, but I want this guy. Maybe sign with the Angels. Maybe the Angels will be a team full of guys who pitch and hit. I don't know, but I want to see it happen. In fact, when I did that whole bucket list a couple of days ago about what I want to see happen in the 2020s, I think one of them is I want to see Otani make it as an all-star, as both a hitter and a pitcher. And you want to throw this guy in too. Mix it up. The idea of doing both should not be that crazy because you see a lot of times people who are top, uh, hitting prospects or the pitchers on their team or the people who are top pitching prospects were the best hitter on their team on the amateur level. So why can't it happen? And you see there have been pitchers who have been decent hitters. Madison Bumgarner was a decent hitter. 
Mike Hampton was a decent hitter. Uh, Don Robinson, who pitched many years for the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates and the San Francisco Giants, would be used as a pinch hitter from time to time. Same thing with Rick Roden, who Billy Martin once used as a designated hitter. Go figure. So, some team out there, sign this guy. Make it so we know how to pronounce his name. I want to see this in baseball. I want to see more two-way players, and if someone wants to give it a whirl, give it a whirl. Because maybe this is a new era of baseball or a new way to squeeze players into your roster. I don't know. Give him a shot. And why not, Angels? Why not? You need pitching. You need hitting. Why not get the guys who can do both? Let's talk a little bit about a baseball life. A baseball life of someone who is not yet 50 years old. At age 49, you have someone who is a you know, really considered one of the top managers in baseball. And he looks young. And he is relatively young. But he is a top manager who just got an extension, and that would be Craig Council. Craig Council, at age 49, he was already under contract through the 2020 season, and he has been signed through the 2023 season. Hard to not root for Craig Kimbrell. Now, one of the things about him is when he played in the when he was a major league player, he looked like he was 12. And he kind of still looks like he's 12, kind of like how, you know, Ron Howard, even though he's an older guy who's completely bald, he still looks like Opie. Well, Craig Council still looks like he's 23 years old. He's 49. And he has already lived a baseball life that the, the kind of baseball life you take two steps back and go, whoa, you've done a lot. You've checked a lot of boxes off of your bucket list. Now... Craig Council has been the manager of the Brewers since, uh, you know, pretty early on of the 2015 season. He was brought in, um, who the, I forget, who did he replace? Uh, Ron Renicky, that's right. Ron Renicky, who had managed the Brewers to the 2011 National Championship Series, Council came in, and he... You know, did an okay job. I mean, I mean, he got they were like a hovering near five hundred his first couple of seasons. They had a winning year in twenty seventeen, finished in second place in twenty seventeen. In twenty eighteen, the Brewers won ninety six games. They won a one game playoff to win the National League Central title, and they won it in Chicago. And last year, he got the Brewers back to the postseason. They were a wild card team last year. And they did it despite having lost their MVP, Christian Yelich, for basically the last month of the season. And if it weren't for a a, a pretty bad relief performance by Hayter and a misplayed out, you know, ball in right field, they had the lead in the eighth inning of the wildcard game against the Washington Nationals. They almost beat the eventual World Series champs. For the last two years, he has been the runner-up in the... National League rookie, uh, National League, sorry, manager of the year. He lost last year to Mike Schilt, 
and the year before, I believe that he lost to, to, to Dave Roberts. And he is really, I think he's one of the better young managers in the game and is going to be, oh no, it's Brian Snicker. That's right. Brian Snicker was the manager of the year in 2018. So he's been a really a solid manager and someone who I find you know probably pretty easy to root for. Now, he is, by the way, he's someone who I saw play as a minor leaguer when he played for the New Haven Ravens back in 1994. I used to go to New Haven Ravens games along with my cousin, but that's neither here nor there. This is a guy who could potentially be one of those managers who is with a team for a long time and may have a tremendous success. If he wins a title with the Milwaukee Brewers, he's already built up the goodwill of the postseason appearances and being a local guy who did well. But I'll tell you something. He has also lived kind of a charmed life as the graduate of Whitefish Bay High School in Milwaukee is managing his hometown team. Lest we forget, this is a guy who is a big-time, oh, kind of Forrest Gump figure in some of the recent, or at least in the last, since the wildcard era, playoff games in baseball history. In 1997, he began the season with the Colorado Rockies. In fact, he played one game in 1997 with the Rockies. And spent a chunk of that year in the minor leagues. And then on the 27th day of July, was traded from the Rockies to the Florida Marlins for Australian pitcher Mark Hutton, who at one point was a big Yankee prospect. He did not know that he would then appear on many, many World Series montages and certainly every highlight reel of tortured Indian fans from that moment on. The Marlins wound up making it to the postseason. I don't think anyone really thought they were going to go that far, and he really wasn't considered to be a key player on that team. Kurt Abbott was the main second baseman of the team. But he had a fine National Championship Series where he bad 429. In Game 7 of the World Series in 1997, it was Craig Council who saw himself being part of the spotlight in a way that I don't think he really conceived of when he began the year as a minor leaguer in the Rockies organization. The Marlins were losing 2-1, to one, Jose Mesa on the mound, and Moises Salou, who I think should have won the World Series MVP that year, singled. Bobby Bonilla struck out, which meant a double play would have won the World Series for the Indians. Charles Johnson singled and upstepped Craig Council. And Craig Council hit a deep drive to right field. Now, it didn't look like it was going to be a home run, but it sure looked like it was going to be a double in the corner that was going to score Moises Alou and pinch runner Greg Zahn and give the World Series title to the Marlins. And Craig Council, of all people, was become the great hero of Miami. Instead, Manny Ramirez caught it and managed to get the ball back into the infield. Now, Alou scored to tie the game. 
and Jim Eisenreich wound up grounding out. And so, but Council tied the game. When Ramirez caught the ball, technically the Indians were one out away from winning the World Series, but there was no way he was going to get Alou to score, uh, Alou out at home. So the series went into the 10th inning. The Indians couldn't score. The Marlins put two runners on. They couldn't score. Uh, Double play got the Marlins out of a jam in the 11th. In the bottom of the 11th, Bobby Bonilla singled. Craig Council came up with one out and hit a dribbler to the second baseman, the surefire fielding Tony Fernandez, who made a critical error and kept the inning alive. Now, with one out, there was a force out at home as the Indians loaded the bases. There was a force out at home that moved Craig Council to third base. And then Edgar Renteria stepped up singled up the middle, and you got to see Craig Council be the one to jump in the air on home plate as the Indians lost and the Marlins won one of the most agonizing World Series games for a fan base and put the Marlins, gave them their title. So there he was, a situation where their team was losing in the ninth inning of Game 7 of the World Series and Craig Council was one of the big figures of why they ultimately won. What are the odds of a batter being involved in a great moment like that? Well, in 2001, guess what? The Diamondbacks were losing in the bottom of the ninth of Game 7 of the World Series, and Tony Womack hit probably the most underrated hit in the history of baseball when he had a double to right field that scored Midre Cummings and tied the game off of Rivera. So up stepped Craig Council with Luis Gonzalez as, you know, the coming up in the on-deck circle. And Council was once again in an inning where the team was rallying in the ninth inning of Game 7 of the World Series, and he got hit by a pitch. So both times he came up, something really weird happened that extended the agony for whatever team was there. He got hit by a pitch and set up the game-winning rally uh, with Luis Gonzalez's single up the middle to clinch it. Okay. And then in, uh, I do believe there was one, yeah, in, in 2011, with the, as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers, the Brewers and the Arizona Diamondbacks played, and he was a member of the Brewers at that time playing against his former team, and Craig Council came up in the bottom of the 10th and batted in a another series-winning walk-off rally. This one was in the bottom of the 10th. Not quite as dramatic as it was Nigel Morgan got the big hit. But those are three gigantic rallies, including two Game 7s of the World Series where one team was on the verge of clinching, and Council appeared in both of them. That's just weird. I find that weird. That he keeps popping up. Now, he has a two World Series rings and was the NLCS MVP for the Diamondbacks in 2001 because he hit a couple of huge home runs against the Atlanta Braves. But he keeps popping up. He keeps showing up in these big critical moments. And now here he is, a manager. It looks like he's going to be a manager for another decade or so. 
And I guess the point I'm making is some people are legends. Some people are Hall of Famers. And some people are baseball lifers who keep popping up in these big moments. You see players like Lonnie Smith or Danny Jackson when I was growing up kept showing up in the postseason with different teams. And you see some people are sometimes legends with different teams in the postseason, like Kurt Schilling was or like Reggie Jackson was. And then there are people like Craig Council who just keep popping up. And what I just want to say is, as he's appeared in so many dramatic moments and wasn't the hero in the dramatic moments, but just played a part in the drama, sometimes you got to salute those people who live those great baseball lives. And those people who keep popping up and keep making the tapestry of baseball really interesting. I hope Craig Council wins a World Series title as a manager. Quite frankly, I hope he wins it in the seventh game and his team comes from behind. So go to the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app and go to all the platforms where you get your podcasts. This has been the Locked On MLB podcast for the ninth day of January. 2020. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.